Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast this morning. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. We're glad to have you here in the studio and watching uh, online. Uh, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's where we'll take off here in just a few minutes. We'll begin today in verse 17 here on this 10th day of July 2020. I like to throw that in every once in a while uh, for the sake of knowing where we were when we were doing what we were doing at what date it was held there. I guess it'll be online uh, uh, with the date involved. But anyway, grab your Bibles. I pray that you've got a hungry heart this morning to learn the truth of God's Word. You can always go after the fact and and watch all of the sessions that we teach here, the worship services here uh, carried out at Crossway Church at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can listen on the Spreaker app. Just look for for those who have ears to hear. You can type my name in. Or you can watch on YouTube, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. And, or my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. Just excited about everything the Lord is saying and doing through this ministry for us and through us. And we're, we're just uh, uh, very uh, much looking forward to His coming. Hopefully He'll come for us today and we'll be with Him forever and ever, reigning and ruling with Him, never again to experience the, the terrible things that we're experiencing now. What a day that's going to be, my friend, and it might just be today. Hallelujah. Uh, one, one thing I'll mention before we get started today, and that is in October this year, October the 22nd through the 25th, We'll be in Dublin, Georgia at Pastor Scotty Williams Church Crossway Fellowships there in Dublin, Georgia for our yearly determined camp meeting. This is where about, I don't know, 10 to 12 ministers gather beginning on a Thursday and ending up on a Sunday morning. And uh, just all day, for, uh, well, Thursday night, all day Friday, all day Saturday and Sunday morning, these are your cross-eyed preachers, some of them. Uh, these are your ministers who have uh, subjected themselves to the same thing the Apostle Paul did, God's righteousness, God's righteous word, the message of the cross, becoming determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified, and uh, if you want to find uh, more information on those camp meetings, uh, you can message me or you can message Pastor Scotty Williams and we'll be glad to fill you in on uh, other information concerning that camp meeting. It's growing. It gets bigger every year. Uh, and people are beginning to realize that the power of God continues to be to this day the preaching of the cross because that's what God said and that's what God did. Hallelujah. So I pray to, I pray to the Lord that He would stir your hearts to come and be a part of a camp meeting like no other you've ever been to. The focus is the cross. The messages will be the cross of Christ no matter where we're at in the Word and the fellowship will be that of great unity, and I'm excited about that this year. Uh, praise the Lord. First Timothy chapter 6, we'll start in verse 17 this morning. Wouldn't it have been exciting to receive a, a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to be able to help you carry out your ministry, to help you uh, see things that maybe you didn't see before you got the Word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul. And... Uh, 
you know, Timothy was surrounded, the church there in Ephesus was surrounded by just everything false that could be false, just like we are today. Now, I know most Christians don't see that. They see a little bit of what's wrong and, and until they come back to exclusive faith in the cross of Christ, they won't ever see that almost everything that comes after them in almost every pulpit in the world today is not pointing them in the right direction. And that's what Timothy was experiencing and that's really the main thrust of these letters. Although the Lord knew and His intention would be to get it even into our hands today so we could have the same instruction, correction, and redirection uh, into the avenues we need to go because the same things going on today that was going on there with Timothy and Paul would write encouraging words to him uh, yet those encouraging words would sometimes be commands uh, and, and Timothy would accept those commands that he didn't just say well that's just Paul he's not here he don't really understand what's going on and I've got this he left me in charge didn't he you know that's the attitude most of the time today and I mean if the preacher goes out of town for uh, uh, 30 days man when he comes back he'll be he'll be lucky if he's even got a church man there'd be a takeover happen I mean uh, but that's not the way it's supposed to be and that's not the way it is in true ministry. And again, Timothy had to be encouraged when he received these letters giving him the instruction of who to turn away with, who to stand against, who to correct, who to charge, who to command. That's what these letters are all about, keeping Timothy, the church in Ephesus, and us as the church of Jesus Christ on the path today, the correct path. And I mean, the first word there in verse 17, here we are in 1 Timothy chapter 6, is charge, charge them. And he's talking about Christians. We don't go out and charge the world anything because they don't have ears to hear. But but the the church... receives commands of the Lord. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Typically the church today says, oh, I just love the captain of my salvation. But then when they realize the captain of their salvation is giving them commands, what a captain does, then they kind of pull back from that lovey-dovey stuff, you know, or they try to just hang on to the mentality of that lovey-dovey stuff and ignore the commands. But if the Lord sees whose heart it belongs to Him. The Lord sees who, yes, we love you, Jesus, the captain of our salvation, but Jesus taught that those that love Him would do what He told them to do. And it's more than just, I love you and help me. It's, I love you, help me and show me what you want me to do. Show me where you want me to go. Show me. And we have the written Word of God to communicate to us so that we can have more than just thoughts Uh, imaginations, but we can actually know what to do, that we have the Word of God. And so when the Lord, through Paul, gives Timothy, the church in Ephesus, and you and me today commands, we need to heed those commands instead of just, oh, we just, oh, just I love Jesus. Remember, he said those that love me are doing what I've told them to do. And those that are not doing what I've told them to do, make no mistake about it, Jesus said, they don't love me. So it's not telling the Lord you love him, it's showing him you love him because he only looks at the heart. I know I've said this for the last few years, but the Lord doesn't really listen. He doesn't honor the lips. 
He honors a heart that believes unto righteousness. And we'll see some of that today in the Word. But Paul here, and I I don't really like saying Paul, although Paul was used, I like saying the Lord here through Paul communicates even to us today and commands us that we are to command them that are rich in this world, those that have been blessed financially, blessed with uh, jobs and homes and finances, that they're to be commanded uh, not to be high-minded, not to let their trust move into their money. Uh, their tr- and you got preachers today preaching money. We Somebody sent us yesterday a video of a preacher up there moonwalking and all kind of stuff. And the song was, I love money, I love money, I want money. And this was in a church service and uh, playing this loud music. And, and that is, even if it's not that extreme, most of the time money is still the root The love of money is still the root there. Uh, We came out of that movement thinking that the funds were for ministry, but they couldn't have been in God's eyes because the ministry wasn't about reconciliation. It wasn't about the gospel. It was about getting more money for ministry. And let me say it again, it wasn't true ministry. So God had to get us out of there and bring us back to the gospel so we could be about true ministry, true righteousness, and true holiness. So uh, it's easy to become high-minded and to begin to trust in your money when God begins to pour money into your life. Uh, because a lot of times when you don't have anything, you're crying out to God, I need help. I, I don't have enough money to buy food. I don't have enough money to buy a home. I don't have enough money. I need help, Lord. And, and, and you're crying out to God, but then He gives you a good job. He begins to pour into you the blessings of the Lord. And you look at America, you see, what's hap- you see what happens, and then we forget God. We just put God, I don't need, I'll let you know when I need you. You know, and that's that's... Typically what we do, we get heady, we get high-minded. And the command is toward those that are rich in this world, and I'd be willing to say that most everybody in America is considered rich compared to what's going on in other, other countries in this world. So if you've got a house to live in, if you've got a car to drive, if you've got food to eat every day, compared to some work, uh, uh, countries, you're rich. And so I think we're all rich with the with the goods of this world, man. We have AC in here this morning. We have heat. We, I mean, I've been to the Philippines. I see what they lack, but they don't know any better. They they live that way, and they're thankful for what they do have if they're Christians and who are who are living for the Lord. But we're we're so blessed with I mean running water, cold water. If we're not careful, we'll take all these things uh, for granted. We, we'll just forget to thank God for the food on the table, for for the sun that shines. Ever we'll just we'll get heady and high minded. And the command again is that we're to co- we are to command those in the church that are rich in this world that they be not heady and high minded. And don't be trusting in uncertain riches. What you've got today, my friend, can be taken from you before the sun goes down today. If you don't believe me, just go read the story of Job. I'm telling you, you you can lose everything you've got in one day. You can go to a doctor one day because you've got a headache and get get some uh, uh, diagnosis that that he tells you, man, in in 90 days you're not even going to be on the earth. I mean, so uh, we need to be grateful. We need to be thankful and we need to humble ourselves 
under the Lord. And how we do that is through faith in the cross. That means we're broken. We're accepting His way and not our own. And we trust in His Word. And He's telling us all today, don't be trusting in uncertain riches. And any riches of this world, any of them are uncertain. They can be snatched away today. You know, the process of losing all you have doesn't have to be a slow process. You can lose it all today. You can lose your life today. You can lose your soul today. It can all be gone. So all the riches of this world are uncertain. The job you have today could be snatched away. I remember in 2005 uh, when the Hurricane Katrina came. Look at how many people lost everything they had except the clothes they had on them. Everything they had. And now they're living hundreds, some of them a couple thousand miles away. They were displaced. They were moved away. I pray that all all, uh, their lives have become better now where they are. But but in, in a day... They lost everything they had because let me tell you something, we can't trust in what we've got. You can't trust in what you've got, but you can trust in God through faith in Christ. He says here, don't be trusting in uncertain riches. He, 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 he doesn't say go tell the folks, Timothy, that they ought not to be. He tells them to go tell them, command them, don't do it. Don't be trusting in your money. And once you once you refuse the command, God may bring you right into the experience of your disobedience by showing you, see, it's the Lord who gives and the Lord who takes away. You can rebuke Satan for 20 years, but Satan ain't doing nothing God don't let him do. And somebody said, Amen. So it's God who gives and God who takes away. And anything God is doing, it's to draw you closer to Him, to trust Him more and exactly... I believe that's what these letters were for for Timothy. So he could know he could trust God more and more and more. He could trust the Lord if he would heed the word of the Lord coming through the Apostle Paul. He says, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Again, the focus comes back to why you've got what you've got. Is because God gave it to you, yes, to enjoy, but, but to remember where it came from. In today's world, we say, well, I worked for what I've got. And I understand that thought process. We're called to work and to be faithful, good stewards of everything God gives us. But behind you working for it is the God who gave you the health and the capacity in your mind to be able to do what you're doing. Everybody can't function as you've been blessed to function, everybody can't think the way you've been able to think with that mathematical mind or that mechanical mind. Everybody don't have that. God gave you that, and you better get thankful to God for it. Now, folks here, well, you don't tell me what I need to do, preacher. Yeah, I'm telling you what you need to do. You need to quit trusting in all your money and all you've got. You remember, you need to remember that God gave it to you, and you need to get thankful thankful again. See, that is the way the preacher should preach. Too many preachers today laying it out there as a question mark. Paul laid it out there as an exclamation point that this is what you'll do or you'll be in trouble. The Word of God is not something I pick and choose what I'd like to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't guide me into all truth I pick and choose. He guides me into all truth that I need today for me 
to experience the liberty, the calling, the giftings, the, 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 everything I need to have the grace of God. He guides me into all the truth that He chooses I need today. Amen. The command is to the rich of this world, the rich among those in the church, that they turn from their pride of being high-minded and trusting in worldly riches and begin to trust the living God, to guard your heart, make sure you are trusting the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God did give you what you have to enjoy. We need to remember that. God gave me my home to enjoy my home. God gave me a wife, children. God gave me a church to pastor. I should enjoy everything God gave me. Amen. God, that's why we see it here that He gives us richly all things to enjoy. But we have to be careful with that phrase and we'll see as we go on here the very uh, specifics of how God says you'll enjoy them. It's not by forgetting where the, the blessings come. It's not by not honoring Him in all the things. It is through honoring Him, being grateful to Him. And He, he begins to lay out here the very specifics of what it means in the avenue of enjoying all things. It's not enjoy all things based on what you think you ought to be doing to enjoy them. I mean, you got a boat and a four-wheeler, that don't mean uh, because Sunday's your only day off that you take those things and avoid church service, you avoid gathering with the saints. That is not, in God's eyes, you enjoying those things in the proper way. It's you enjoying those things according to the flesh. When you're avoiding doing what God's called you to do with the things God has given you and He has given you the good things you have, then you're wrong. That's the way it is. Well, Sunday's my only day off. Well, who made it your day? It's not, no day is your day. It is, today is the Lord's day. Every day is the Lord's day. And if He's given you things to enjoy, then He will give you the proper time to enjoy them, and He will show you the way to enjoy them. We, so, I mean, you, you think about the relationship between a, a husband and a wife. God gave you that to enjoy. But you can choose to abuse that. You can go and try to do other things outside of the marriage and, and think that you go enjoy a little bit more than... And you can abuse everything God's given you. And that really, that's what the context of this is. Remember the good things you have. God gave them to you. Don't begin to trust in them. You've got to keep trusting in the God who gave them to you because He gave them to you to enjoy. But then He says in verse 18 that they do good. Now these are this this is still talking about the people who are rich, the people who have the funds, the people who can support uh, some people who don't have the funds, uh, the people who can uh, be hospitable in ways other people can't be. He says that they do good, that they be rich in good works. Yeah, okay. I see that God has blessed you financially, and you man. God has really poured out upon you. He's given you opportunities that many others don't have. I see that. I recognize that. But I better see as a child of God also that you're not just rich in money. You're rich in good works. 
You better be known more than for you got a good job that's got money coming. You, God says you better be known that you're rich in good works. And that don't mean when you go to work, you work good. I'm talking about, look at it, that they do good. That they're do-gooders. <laughs> the church should be the do-gooders. What's your name, son? Well, I'm Curtis Do-Gooder. <laughs> We're supposed to be doing good. We're supposed to be, no matter how much you have financially, uh, no matter how much wealth you have, that should not be, you might be known as somebody who's wealthy. That's okay. As long as you're also known as somebody who's doing good with what you have. You're bringing all the tithe and all the tithe into the church. You, you have, ten, you have. let's just say you have $20,000 a month coming into your family. I hope I am. <laughs> Listen, you got $20,000 a month coming into your family through what you do. Well, the tithe of that is $2,000. It's not up for you to decide what the tithe is. Tithe means 10%. And you're to be obedient to God. You're to bring that 2000 into that church. God's planted you where they're preaching the cross and, 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 and known for it, uh, not two or three times a year. And you're to give offerings. You're to be known for your good works. Doesn't mean everybody's supposed to know what you're giving. God sees that and will honor that. But that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. Seem like today the more money folk get, the less they want to give. The more they think they got to guard over it. Like, 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 like they brought it. Like, like they, they forget God. That we're to be ready to distribute. Ready to distribute. We're ready to do a lot of things, but are we ready to distribute? Willing to communicate. And the word there means share. If you ever look the word communicate up, let's just tap on it uh, this morning uh, because we can. And let's bring up uh, the word uh, communicate. Uh, and you could teach on this one word for quite a, uh, quite a while because it means to be social. Uh, it means to fellowship. It means to distribute. Uh, it means like uh, you're free, you're liberal in your giving. Communicate. We hear the word communicate and we think about talking. Communicate means a whole lot of things. And I wished I could... Uh, yeah, here, here they are right here. It means to partner, to be associated with, uh, to be a, command, a companion to, a sharer, your sharer, uh, brought into fellowship, partakers... Uh, distributors, it means a whole lot more than just what we on the, just real quick think it means, just well we're communicating each other. No, if you're not doing good, if you're not willing to, and ready to distribute in God's leading the distribution, then you're not willing to communicate. There's a lot of people today, Christians, I'm talking about Christians, who won't go to church because there's absolutely, absolutely no way they're going to give God the tithe and bring offerings into the church. 
You got Christians who uh, have a lot of money coming in, uh, but they take some of it and they put it in certain places and then they say they're going to live off this amount so their tithe is off this amount. The Bible says you're to give tithes off the increase. That's all, that's 10%. You don't take part of it and move it over here and then give uh, tithes off this that you claim you're living off of when there's absolutely no way you can go and do and have all you have based on what the preacher sees your tithe is. We claim we're living off this amount, and I know I'm talking about money right now because that's really the context here. Those who have wealth and how they're living with that wealth. And so we, 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 we you know, we've got oh, 30000 a month coming in, but we take a chunk of it over here and we say we're living off this. And I understand a little bit of that. But when my living and what I'm purchasing for me and places I'm going and money I'm spending far outweighs the money I say I'm living on, that means I am living on part of that I'm tucking away and I'm, I'm manipulating God. I'm really lying to God. I'm, I'm stealing from God. Robbing because I'm, I'm really... God, see, you can lie to the preacher, but you can't lie to God. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we're all going to give an answer for that. We live like that don't matter. Well, I'll tend to that when it happens. My friend, you better get real with God. You better get real and you better get honest with the Lord because He sees every detail. And you know, sometimes we get, in that, we get carnal minded. Well, if I gave that church what was really my tithe, my Lord, they, 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 they'd have that place paid off in six months. If I really brought that much into, if I really gave what I brought in every month, and that, that is, we're to, the focus here is the, those who are wealthy in the church. Isn't it? Yes. Charge them that are rich. Yes. Let me tell you, when this was written, there was very few that were rich. You were either very rich or you were just very poor. And here, this is to those who have the riches. We need to pay attention to that. That they do good. That they be rich in good works. I see your wallet's full, but what's in your heart better be toward the Lord in good, and we're supposed to be able to see that too. It's just like what Paul wrote about women wearing braided hair and pearls and all the stuff. That They're not to be known for that. You're to be known for who Christ is in you, the good works coming out from you. That's what you're to be known as. Whether you wear makeup or not is not the issue. Whether you wear your hair in a braid or not, short or long, is not the issue. It's what are you known for? Are you only known because you're wealthy or you're beautiful or you're handsome? Or are you known because Christ is living through you and working through you through your obedience to God's Word, which can only take place if your faith is in the cross because that's the only way the Holy Spirit can actually work these things in our lives. Amen. Amen. So, the command is, and it's not an option, Christians will hear this and turn the channel, well, I ain't listening to him, uh, you know, and that's fine because there were some, I'm sure, that were in the congregation in Ephesus who after that service, when this letter was read, said, I ain't going back there again, you know, he's not going to start meddling with my money, you know, he's not going to start meddling with, uh, you know, you know, 
and, and again, let me say it, there's a lot of Christians who won't go to church today because they're in no way going to be faithful to God with their finances. That's their money to do what they want, when they want, how they want, with who they want, and why they want. It's theirs. They're not going to subject themselves, be broken to simple faith in Christ and obedience. They're going to have words that try to express how much they love God, but when it comes to the place where the experience happens, which is only in obedience, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss it. Don't mean they're going to hell, but it means they're going to miss it. Because whether you tithe, give offerings, or, or just, I mean, if you've believed in Christ, you're saved. But you're going to miss so much. It's like not going to church at all. Yeah, I read a statement the other day that said the danger of missing church is that you stop missing church. You stop missing it. So, you know, because we can get in a rut going any direction. I'd rather be in that rut of the path of light, obedience to God. And I know the devil whispers in your ear right now and says, well, nobody gets it all right. Yeah, but there's a people who want to. There's a people who want to, hallelujah. We won't ever get it all right, but there's a people who want the right of what God is telling them today, hallelujah. And humility will get that. Humility takes place at the cross. In verse 19 he says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now that's a powerful scripture. Verse 18 says that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. This, this puts us in, in, in a phrase that we will call, I heard Brother Larson mention this several times, about positioning ourselves because that is something we do. Through simple, true faith, not saying I believe in, but from the heart's believing unto righteousness, what Christ did at Calvary, the Holy Spirit now can cause me to walk in a place of obedience. And in that experience, I am, by the power of the Holy Spirit, laying up in store for myself a good foundation against the time to come that I may lay hold on eternal life. Amen. Paul would tell Timothy, lay hold on eternal life. As a Christian, you already have eternal life. But the, 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 the word is to all Christians to lay hold on it then. I mean, it's like two men in each other's faith face, each of them tell them, I'm about to whoop the fire out of you. I'm about to, man, I'm about to knock you out. And one guy says, well, do it, then talk about it. And really, that's the word of the Lord. Do it, then talk about it. Quit talking about it and do it. Hallelujah. Jesus said, those that love me are obeying me. And if you're not, don't try to say you are. He said, those that are not obeying my commands do not love me. Many will say they do. Many will use excuse after excuse. Well, I, 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 you know, nobody's perfect. Well, we're all at different levels. They will say 
factual things. But in facts, we don't mature. In facts, we don't grow. In the grace and the knowledge of Christ, we grow through humble, broken obedience to God. I don't know how I'm going to make it through when I start doing what God tells me to do. You You don't have to know yours and mine is just to obey the Lord. And we can do that if our faith is in the cross of Christ. Folks that say they're trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary, but they're not walking in obedience, and five years go by, and they're still making the factual excuses they've been making for five years, there's a problem with that. There's, there, the problem is with what they're saying they believe versus what they're actually believing. Because I can be saved, pardoned from my sins, but the resurrection of Christ shows me that now I can have power to live. Hallelujah. This life. It's not just about being forgiven, but because I've been forgiven with in the death of Christ, I've also been resurrected to newness of life, which brings about that experience of obedience. Now, seen by others through me, known more than just for the dollars in my wallet if I had some, but also known for the good works of Christ that that He's working in me now and through me. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation, a good foundation, Do you hear that? A good foundation against the time to come. Because it's not money that's going to get you through what's coming, my friends, and you need to hear that today. It's it's your obedience to Christ through faith in what He did by obedience at Calvary that's going to be the foundation you need in the days ahead. Because if you think storms have come in the past, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's some storms coming that if you're not you're not building your house on a rock, you're building it on some sand, which is you're you're trusting in anything other than what the rock Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation did for you at Calvary, you're going to be washed away. Your money won't save you in the days ahead. Your guns won't save you in the days ahead. But what Christ is allowed to do in you and through you is what's going to cause you to experience that eternal life. To lay hold on that eternal life in the experience of the good foundation that you have sown toward. Hallelujah. Because we will reap in the days ahead what we have sown. I don't care who we are. We will reap in the days ahead what we're sowing now. You better get back to Calvary. You better get back to the Word of God in the light of Jesus and what He did at Calvary. And you better be broken and humble and obedient before Him. And you will be if your faith is in the cross. Because faith in the cross is more than a message It is the power of God, the Bible says. And that power of God allows me to walk humbly before Him in righteousness, in true holiness, not something made up by men, so that the power of God in me can flow through me and I can be known for more than being a pastor of a church or more than uh, driving this vehicle or living in that house, but I can be known for the very Christ who lives in me and flows out through me. Amen. That's what God's looking to see in the earth today. He's looking for His Son. And we're the body of His Son. 
So laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. The only thing you've got going that's going to stand against the things that are coming in the future is what Christ is doing in you and through you. Not what you say He's doing. What He is doing in you and through you. Because there's a whole lot of words going on in the church, in pulpits today, but what Christ is actually doing is very little. It's very little. And He can't work except in the truth you're allowing Him to lead you in. Glory to God, that's just Bible there. And that's why that people will get up and leave. They'll get up and leave. Well, I, I, I've got, you know, God, he, he, He's going to do this, He's going to do that. And all we got to do declare is to declare what God's going to do. No, God has already given us His Word, His truth. And if we'll believe in Christ... That means what He did at Calvary and allow our faith to stay there, make our faith stay there because that's up to you. Then you will, you will have to, and this is a place of positioning. You have to position yourself to be a person of prayer. Position yourself to be a person of habitual attendance in the congregation. Not when you feel like it and you don't feel like it. And See, that, that's Christianity today though in, in the world. That's Christ- well, I'll go if I feel like it. I'll study if I feel like it. and You know, I, you know I, it's just got to be, everything's got to be the way I like it. And that proves right there that we're really not serving God. We're serving feelings and emotions. That's who we're serving is ourselves. Amen. And again, folks will turn that off. Well, that's their problem. People, I'm sure, got up when they when Timothy read this letter and said, "We're out of here, Ethel. We ain't going back to that church. That guy's trying to control us through somebody that wrote a letter who's not even here anymore. And by the way, Ethel, he used to kill Christians. I, I mean, he he he's not all this and all that. But have you recognized the authority of God through the Apostle Paul and what he was a allowed to write to you? Has that become the Word of God to you? If it has, then your faith is in it and that means faith is working and that means you're experiencing eternal life. Not on your terms, but on what's written. Man, this is just good teaching this morning. Except to those who turned it off. They didn't know how to recognize it. So let's talk for a few minutes this morning while we still got a little less than half an hour left of a few uh, scriptures in the New Testament concerning uh, hearing the Word and doing the Word. Because ultimately that's what it comes down to for everybody. Uh, the people in this church in Ephesus or these churches that this letter traveled around, they had to do what we have to do today. They had to choose whether they would submit themselves through believing heart and obedience that would follow suit or they had to get up and leave because they were, they were not going to do that. So let's go to Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 and we'll read four verses here. Matthew 7 and 24. Jesus teaching here says, Therefore whosoever hears these sayings of mine, and does them. And does them. I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it did not fall. 
for it was founded upon a rock. Can I tell you this morning, folks, that it is raining, the floods have come, it's going to rain more, the more floods are coming, and it's going to beat, it's going to beat on what you're building. You're not getting out of it. You can move to Montana, Wisconsin. You can dig a hole, put your head in it. You can carry all the beanies, weenies you can find because your heart is the issue with God, not everything that's going on around you. Your heart is the issue with God. It's not me, them, and him. It's me and him. Come on now. And the, and, and the promise is here that if you'll build your house, if you will find, if you'll be found, if you'll be found building your house upon the rock, the rains that are coming, the floods and the winds that are coming. It's not if they come, they're coming. It's going to rain on what you're building. It, the winds are going to blow on what you're building. All those winds of doctrine, they're going to blow on what you're building. The storms are coming. Storms like you cannot fathom today. Everything imaginable is going to come and attempt to move you away from the faith and that is the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that loved you and gave Himself for you. That simplicity of Christ. Everything is going to come against you to try to corrupt your mind and going to cause you to make excuses as to why it's okay not to contend for the faith any longer, not to warn people of what's wrong any longer, any way that you're just causing too many problems in the family, too many problems in the church. Remember Ahab told Elijah, you are the one who's troubling Israel. And Elijah the prophet said, no sir, you're the one who's trouble in Israel. And so you just keep standing on the rock. Not saying you're standing on the rock, but let your works be seen as the man, the woman, the boy, and the girl who is building on the rock. Standing on the rock. And again, Jesus teaches here as those who are building. Those who are building. uh, The man that built his house on a rock verse 24 it's what you're it's what you're building it's that phrase positioning yourself are you actually all words and no action because faith doesn't come by speaking. Faith comes by hearing and when faith comes, movement of the Holy Spirit comes into that which is obedient to God's Word. Faith doesn't come by speaking, it comes by hearing. And when faith comes, faith overcomes everything that has hindered my obedience to God's Word. Well, I'm just teaching better than your amen. Hallelujah. Break out the donuts and forget all this then. (laughs) So you are building today. You're building today on a foundation. But if you're building on that rock, I don't care how much it rains, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about natural rain, I'm talking about the rains of this world, the winds of this world uh, that even come from our own flesh sometimes, and the, the storms of this world, the, the things that are coming upon this world now that a year ago we would have never even imagined would be coming upon this world. And, and let me tell you something, the birth pangs are going to get more 
more. They're going to become more powerful and closer together. And you're going to have to every once in a while, you're going to do it. Ask yourself, Lord, what's going on here? It's storming. It's raining. The winds are blowing. And it's for one purpose. All that that you're watching today on the news, it is to destroy our nation. But more in depth, it is an attempt to distract you from the faith and to destroy you, your faith. That's the depth of it because what you see going on in our nation today right now is a hatred for God's righteousness. It is a hatred for His righteousness. Oh, even the people who are out there claiming they're praying for other people and and doing all this, praying that the the hearts of the police would be uh, uh, made like their hearts, these movements, that's not a move of God. That's an attempt to destroy the faith. Because if your faith gets moved away from Calvary and your life shows whether it's there or not, now, I'm not talking about perfection. But when your faith gets moved away from Calvary, you're no longer building upon the rock. You're building upon what Jesus teaches next. Verse 26, And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended. And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And was great, and great was the fall of it. It wasn't just the fall, great was the fall of it. And again, let's resort back to what we're talking about today. If we're trusting in our finances instead of the God who gave us all we have, listen, through faith, in Christ's work, it count. That's what you're trusting in with a conscious reality of that today that I'm trusting in the death of Jesus, that I died with Him, that I'm no longer in this world to be known uh, who I am except who I am in Him. And I was buried with Him, raised to newness of life with Him to express Him as the body of Christ today. Amen, Brother Curtis! And we can tell who's building on what ground. Now I know the words always come in of Satan. Nobody's perfect. We're all at different levels. We got that. We understand that. But those that are building on the rock, when it rains and the wind and the storms come, it's to be seen. Jesus taught it's to be seen. So <clears throat> the preachers and the saints across the world <clears throat> who are throwing in the towel and quitting and just getting out, it rained, the winds blew, the house was beat upon, and they fell because they were not building upon the rock. They were probably not sitting under preachers who preached the message of the rock. The rock of my salvation is Jesus and what He did at Calvary. And if that's not what I'm listening to, you can count on it. You may say, well, I'm not sitting under the preaching of the cross and I'm not collapsed. You're already collapsed. And there will be a rain and a storm that comes that will blow you off of even that which you thought you had. Jesus taught that. 
Those that have ears to hear, more will be given to them. And those who do not have ears to hear, which is those who only hear and don't do what he taught, even that which they have will be taken from them. So upon the sand that people build upon, Jesus taught they will even be blown away off that which they built. So James also spoke of this and he said in chapter 1 verse 22 and, and I'll point out a couple of things that's always been a highlight for me in my studies and uh, verse 22 James chapter 1 But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. How many people go to church and they hear Message, they've heard, we have heard thousands of, thousands of messages. But we don't become doers of the messages we've heard. Well, there, there's really, there's no way to become a doer of the Word that you're hearing unless the Holy Spirit is involved in it. And He's not going to be involved in doing any of God's Word if it's not the truth of God's Word. And that means how it pertains to Christ, what He did at Calvary, which is how Christ is glorified in the carrying out of His cross day by day in our lives. If, it can't, if it's not glorifying Christ, the Holy Spirit is not in it. Jesus said when the Spirit of truth, the Comforter comes, He is going to guide you into all truth. He's going to glorify me. Well, Christ's not going to be glorified except in what He does by His Spirit through a faith that's the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3, that you were dealt by God to you upon your trust in His work at Calvary. What Christ did by faith, the faith of Jesus, the faith of the Son of God that loved you and gave Himself for you, you've received the measure of that faith and that's the only faith that will glorify God, glorify Christ. If, if Christ is not being glorified and He can't be outside of faith in His righteous work at Calvary, then it's not the Holy Spirit leading. It's not the Holy Spirit empowering to go and do what we claim it is that He's doing. So watch this again. James 1.22 But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He don't even talk about the devil here. We don't need the devil to be deceived. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes his way and quickly forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's God's word in its liberating context which is Christ and Him crucified, for there is no liberty outside of that message. And continues therein. You see that? And continues therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the what? 
work. See, it doesn't say doer of the word, but a doer of the word makes you a doer of the work. See, I've always loved that. Verse 22 says a doer of the word, if you hear the word, and if you're a doer of the word and not just a hearer, then it becomes a doer of the work, and it's always the work of the Holy Spirit. But a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. Y'all all right this morning? So let's move on into verse 20. And here Paul, the Lord through Paul, continues to command Timothy. Oh, Timothy, keep that which was committed unto your trust. Why did God have to, through Paul, uh, keep doing this to Timothy in both these letters continually? Keep that. Withdraw yourself. Stand against that teaching. Recognize that which is false. Tell them what true uh, being a widow indeed is. Uh, uh, All these commands, all these instructions from the Lord through Paul to Timothy was so Timothy could be encouraged that he was on the right track. They're going to come at you. Listen, people in your family, people on your job, when they're approaching you about this that you believe, uh, as we were talking about last night, when you begin to hear this truth and you begin to think, my Lord, if this is right, then that, do you understand how many people are not right today? If this is right, if the message of the cross, if what Christ did at Calvary is the only object of faith God will honor, do you know how many preachers are wrong? Do you know how many people are wrong? Do you know how many people in your own family must think you're a weirdo? That's the rain. That's the wind. That's the storms. It's blowing on you through their unbelief, through their false unity. It's blowing on you words of you think you're the only one right. How can they believe that God wouldn't honor all that's going on? Look at how long they, whoever they are, been in ministry. Look at their big buildings and all that they have. Just because you're rich and got big buildings and money doesn't mean that God sees your works as good. He tells that one of the churches in the book of Revelation, I've not found your works perfect. God's looking for a perfect work. So take that, devil. The next time you say, well, nobody's perfect, okay, I get that, but God is looking for a perfect work. That means that's the work that only He can carry out. And He can't... Listen, if a church can be found in the place, walking in the place, functioning in the place where God says your works aren't perfect, we need to ask them instead of getting mad and leaving church over it, what's the perfect work? It's what Jesus did at Calvary. That is the perfect work. And as long as that's what we're trusting in, not saying that's what we're trusting in, but from the heart. The heart is not the thing pumping your blood. The heart is the heart of who you are, your soul and spirit, and you've subjected yourself, the whole you, to that which Jesus provided for you in His death. You're trusting in that today. 2,000 years old, but you're still trusting in that today. God recognizes 
is that. And He holds you steady on that rock when it's raining and windy and the storms are blowing from all around you. That's why this letter was written to Timothy, to the church in Ephesus, and to us today because the storms are not the tornadoes and the tsunamis and the hurricanes. The storms are those spiritual storms that blow on us and try to remove us from building on the rock and join the crowds that are building on the sand that won't stand. When Listen, when the storms get so massive and they blow and that's coming to every person, when it happens, listen, you, you just keep building and standing on that rock, which is what Christ did at Calvary. And when the storms are calmed again, you'll still be there. But all those who've been building on the sand, they will be gone. Washed away with the sand, the false doctrines they built upon. Amen. He says here in verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which was committed under your trust. Do you know God's committed the gospel under your trust? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 teaches us that, that God has, he has reconciled us by the blood. He's called us ministers of reconciliation and He's committed His word of reconciliation to us. Committed it to us to carry it out, to walk with this message. The, not just the words, but the power living out this message. Amen. That's good this morning. Hallelujah. He says, O Timothy, keep that which was committed under your trust. Not just Paul saying, I gave, I trusted. No, God has committed this to Timothy. To his trust. For him to trust that this is still all I need today. Watch this now. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Profane means ungodly and unholy. That means any talk that's not pointing me to Calvary, we're talking about spiritually now, we're not talking about is it raining or the sun shining or what color is your shoestrings. We're talking spiritual context. The avenue through which I'm made righteous and the avenue through which I'm building upon this what I believe and am trusting in. The avenue through which righteous fruit comes which is only through Christ and His work at Calvary. He's talking about that. That when we begin to talk spiritual matters that we don't talk about that which is ungodly, that which is unholy. And He's not talking about here not just don't be talking about the world and its wickedness. He's talking about here as he says, vain babblings, fruitless discussions. Fruitless discussions. Any preacher that gets in the pulpit and uses God's Word outside of pointing the people to the living Word and what he did at Calvary just had a fruitless discussion. A vain babble going on. Even though he danced all over the platform, jumped up and down, waved his hanky, and got the people stirred up in the flesh, when it's over, it's over. And it really was vain babbling. It was pro. It was just a, a, a what does he say, a, a fruitless discussion. Yes, it was the Word of God. But unless we are being pointed by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to the truth of God's Word, which is the context of all of God has said in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, it was fruitless. 
And you got big name preachers today that are going to disagree with that, but I'm telling you, that's why this letter was written to Timothy and to you and me so we could stand this ground. Hallelujah. Because when the storms come, I don't care how high up on the pedestal men have placed them. I don't care how much God has used them in the past. If they're still not building on the rock today, the winds will blow them away. And how does that become evident? Because they will begin moving away from this message. They will stop guarding their pulpit like they should be guarding it. All in the name of this. All in the name of that. But Paul says, Oh, Timothy, keep that which was committed under your trust, avoiding profane, ungodly, unholy, vain babblings, fruitless discussions. Discussions, even using God's Word that the Holy Spirit can't function in. Fruitless. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. I think Andrew brought it out to you guys Sunday before last. Or it was last Sunday. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as men, but God which tries our heart. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9.16 For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of because necessity is laid upon me. 1 Corinthians 9.16 Because there's a necessity laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I know it's 10, but I'm on the last verse and we've got to finish this today. Paul says... I have nothing but the cross to glory in. I have nothing but the gospel to glory in. I have nothing to teach and preach but that which pertains to the gospel. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. In verse 21 of the 6th chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul ends this, this letter actually by saying, which some professing have erred concerning the faith Grace be with you. That means God and what He wants to do, desires to do in you and through you, will take place if you heed these commands that He's given you through me. Not Curtis, but Paul. Not Paul, but God. Because it is the Word of God. Grace be with you. That means God be with you, carrying out His will in you and through you. Not on our terms, but according to His Word. His Word is is His terms. Amen? Amen. I pray you've been blessed today. I, I really uh, encourage you to tune in every single Friday morning at 9 a.m. with your Bibles and a hungry heart to learn the truth of God's Word. Pray for us. Don't forget to sow into the ministry at thecrosswaychurch.com. Support the ministry of the truth of God's Word. And you can also text your giving to 903-231-5950. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.